0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Full Metal RPG Podcast I am one of your hosts, Ben. Your other host is. Brendan. And we got it right this time. We absolutely did. My first time was definitely uh, not the greatest at trying to bring us in.
0: Well, you know, man, like we at this point, I think we've had like a debate over who it is that we are. And in this very Grant Morrison kind of way, we like just dropped some acid and we kind of like tried to figure it all out. You know,
1: I was thinking it'd be pretty organic if we get a guest in here and he could introduce himself as one of us, and then we could just sort of circle oh, around. Oh
0: well, but that wouldn't be organic. Then we'd well, we'd be, we, we we be just telling them to, tell do it.
1: to do it, and then like see how he does it if it actually makes a mistake or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how they would confuse themselves for one of us, but that, anyway, I digress. Um, ben and I work together, audience listeners. Ben and I work together. It has been a long day at the salt mine. It has been a long fucking day at the salt mine. We're here. We got some beers. Now we're gonna talk about some DD. Alright? Yes. So this last weekend we played DD. It was uh my continuing Out of the Abyss campaign. Uh Ben plays Meng Hao the monk, the wood elf, lawful evil monk. Um is there anything else you want to tell us about Meng Hao real quick? Um Yeah,
1: I I, I suppose he's, uh, you know, against hype in a lot of ways. Not, not, you know, first off, not just alignment, but, uh, you know, the fact that I'm living in the Underdark and have lived in the Underdark the majority of his life. um, And, uh, you know, as a wood elf, which is sort of interesting. um, His sort of embrace of like, I I guess, like sort of a, a weird occultism outside of like, you know, nature, which is... You know, also sort of an against type thing for for uh, the casual wood elf. I guess uh, all these things sort of sort of make him uh, a a different sort of type of character that's sort of interesting and fun to play. Yeah, I mean,
0: as usual, you uh you have a you have a history in our in our group of playing um, against type characters and very kind of like strange characters and for the most part that's really worked <laughs> out for you, you know. Sure. Sometimes the uh, there've been a couple that have been like that didn't work out so hot. Um Shrevin Sadev was 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 a notable failure. Yes, he was. But um, that's but that, I mean that's like a that's a footnote amongst many great successes.
1: Yeah, and like anything, I mean, you know, these things are mutable. So if you if you if you try something out as a player and it's not working for you, you know, which that character was not. Shrevan was not. Um, I warned you. Yeah. I mean, you can always move on, you yeah. know. Uh, I talked over it with uh, Brendan, who was the storyteller at the time, and we decided to have Shrevan have an awesome death scene, and uh, which it was. It was very chilling and awesome. And uh, I moved on and uh, introduced a new character based on another character, another player's character, uh, to sort of continue up the story where he left off so there would be no breaks in the story but um, letting me try something different, which because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's important, a dialogue to be able to have with your players and with your between the GM and, and the players, you know? I mean, it's all about having fun at the end of the day, you know? We're, of course, trying to tell good stories. Absolutely. But we got to tell good stories in a fun way.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm not in danger of having that conversation with uh, Brendan anytime soon about Meng It's still been <laughs> a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, each session is, is even more fun.
0: Well, you see, okay, now that brings us to the, to the most recent session. I, I mean, maybe it was more fun uh, as to, to play Meng, but, but this session was I th- I, it was not as good as the one previous. It was, it was, it was interesting. A lot happened, right?
1: Yeah, I, I will say that uh, as an overall player, I enjoyed the, the, the session before. But an interesting caveat on that is that, you know, every time I get more sort of familiar with the character that I'm playing, I uh, get certain enjoyment out of that, and uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely in the position where like I'm I'm able to do some things based on sort of how this session ended, that sort of made me ad- advance who I think Meng Hao is, and on that note, it was very fulfilling.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, it, let's let's just be clear. It wasn't a bad session. No, it was by no means like it wasn't like a piece of shit. I wasn't like embarrassed i mean there's times when i'm running a fucking game and i'm like embarrassed to be sitting behind the screen i just i feel like i'm at the spelling bee and i can't spell tomato you know what i'm saying and i'm just like i'm I'm like i'm just like sometimes there have been times when i've been like looking at my watch or my phone or whatever it is and i've been like thinking wow we've been playing two hours can we quit can we can we just can i call it you know, or am I gonna have to just spin some bullshit? And then, and and then that having been said, there have been times when I've taken that kind of anxiety and I've spun it into something good. And then there have been some times when, like, seriously, I hit the three-hour mark and I'm like, okay, well, I really only owe these guys three hours of entertainment, and I'm just like, go the fuck home. I can't deal with you anymore. You know. <laughs> and that's pretty much how he says it too.
1: It's like, get get the hell out of here. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I wish. I wish I had those kind of stones. Um. So this session. Where did we begin? Okay, so you guys have been wandering through the Underdark and uh yeah, it we, was We took on right
1: where we left off in the previous session. It was the uh sure, the, the null encounter that we yeah, had. Yeah. Uh, we finished right after that Null encounter. Um you know, I think we were we began the session by uh I don't know, just just picking up and and uh moving continuing our 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 travels to get to Slubudop, the uh the
0: city of the uh Yeah, you guys are currently on the way to Slubudop. Which, uh, if you actually look over here in the corner, you can see where I'm redrawing Dop. That is actually my second edition redraw of Dop. Oh, nice. And there's gonna be a third because I'm not even happy with that one. I, if you had made it to town um, that day, I was gonna. This was the map I was gonna use, but because you guys, you know, put it off, deferred it for another week. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna it's gonna even better than that one. I, I mean, the one they give you in the book is, and I'm not trying to dog anybody here, but it's it's, it's unsatisfying. In fact, there are some um, mechanics that they give you for running Slubu that uh don't jibe with the picture they give you. So it was clearly one of those editorial snafus where it's like either they changed the description after they had given it to the art editor or they had gave the art editor just something like really quickly and like oh here crush this out because they, they they tell you what the city is supposed to kind of look like and how it's supposed to act mechanically and there's a little, there's a couple mechanics for it and then there there's a picture of it and the picture was very much kind of like um what well, how I felt about the um the Velken valve which we called Veer uh, the Vulcan, the Vulcan valve map, which was like way too, two dimensional. It's like way too just like straightforward. And mm-hmm. I wanted something that is more complex.
1: Well, it definitely. Came. I mean, I didn't see the original map for Vulcan or whatever, but, uh, the map that we certainly ended up with was pretty good. I think we posted that right on the, yeah, uh,
0: that's on full metal on RPG. RPG right now.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think uh, it received some love out there. People people definitely thought that map was pretty sweet.
0: There were a couple people who said that they might use it for something else that they were doing, which of course you're always free to do. You know, we're posting this content so that you can make use of it. You know, or at the very if you, if you're not if you don't want to use it for your game, then we at least very hope that you like are inspired by it. Absolutely, to, to just do something else with it. Absolutely. Um, so if you guys kind of like broke camp, you started wandering and. And there was well, on game. that note,
1: I just wanted to say something really fast too. What? I think I think as a as a as a player, uh, if 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 I were to hear somehow that my adventures as one of my characters that I've posted about here and talked about inspired someone to do something different with a the character they were doing, uh, that would be pretty heartening. And uh, I hope that you know maybe I can do that sometime.
0: Indeed, you know, I mean, we're about nothing if not craving feedback. No, that's kidding. We're, we're <laughs> kidding. We're kidding. Yes. We, but Love we do. Me, please. But we do. We, you know, I mean, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We have um, a Gmail. We have an official Gmail um, It's called Full Metal RPG Official at gmail.com. And you can write in. You can ask us questions. If there's something that you want us to talk about, uh, we'll be happy to um uh, construct an episode around particular ideas that you want to pitch to us, and if you have uh feedback about like our adventure, about our characters, about our uh, worldviews, you know, if you want to challenge what Ben and I have to say, I mean, we're just two schlubs with microphones. That's who we are, you know. I mean, we're not. It's not an imposing thing. You know? No, I mean, not at all. We have this self-created authority to like tell people how it is about fucking role playing, but I mean, that doesn't mean shit. So write in, write in, ask us something, tell us something. We do want to hear. We do want to hear.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, um, this past adventure we picked up, uh, where we left off, continued our, uh, our journey to Sluludop. And, uh, you know, there's this sort of like, uh, sense as we travel that there is, you know, danger right on our heels as we're pursued. Um, so, you know, the, the, uh, the desire is to to move quickly so that we aren't caught. Because, uh, you know, if we are caught, it's likely or not that we can't face the opposition that's behind us.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad that you guys have that impression. I was, I was worried that, like, maybe you guys were feeling like maybe... Uh it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And I was like, eh, I really should do something where the fucking you guys really feel the heat from the drow. But, but I mean, I'm glad to hear that it's still on your minds.
1: I think it's on more players' minds than others. I think for certainly it's on my, my mind more than others'. I think some people are a little bit more lackadaisical about it and just sort of assume that, like, yeah, their they're losers are not going to catch up or whatever. But <laughs> Oh, goodness. But uh, I'm not one of them. I uh, definitely feel like we need to be hurrying when we can. Um, and to that end, we c- continue our journey. Um, you know, and we we uh had a uh we ended up in a very sort of disturbing cave, uh one that uh had I guess seen a breakdown of the weave. Am I am I uh, stating that correctly?
0: Yeah, um in the in forgotten realms this is you I'm going to butcher this word here, but it's called like Fearseres. It's. I think it's something. phase arrest. phaser okay. or fairs arrest. Something like that. I mean, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's something kind of like that. And it's um, it's. I mean, it's not the shadow weave. That's different. But it's sort of like where the weave is kind of like breaking apart a little bit, and that means that um. Certain magical effects. Well, all magical effects have a chance of completely screwing up. Um. But then there's other magical effects that are severely penalized while you're in one of these regions, and if you stay in one of them long enough, there's a mechanical effect that also um that also damages you in the long run. Um. But go ahead. What are you saying about that?
1: No. Um. Certain. Uh, I guess the more magically oriented characters in the party. Uh. Sort of realized what had happened with some some nice Arcana rolls, and um were able to warn the rest of us about the danger we were in. So we uh, attempted to speed up even further to get out of this area without going backwards and potentially running into our pursuers. There was a talk that we might go backwards, and and uh, but that was not seeming to be the best idea to the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that would have been interesting if you'd chosen that, if you just said, damn it all. I don't know what I would have done with that. I mean, because the encounter that you guys were playing through was one that I rolled up on the encounter table in... Um the Out of the Abyss book. It has a number of encounters, and uh, even down to the like the magical cavern part of it. No, that was my idea. Okay. Um, and well, there was of,
1: definitely some trepidation involved in that. With like, oh, can we cast spells? What do we do? Like,
0: essentially, in an underdark scenario, you have to um, have certain considerations, and one of the questions you have to ask yourself every time you run an encounter is: Is there illumination, or is there not illumination? And I had, I think in, like, previous encounters, I had determined that there was no illumination. So for this one, I was like, well, there'll be illumination. And then you have to say, well, what's the source? And in the Underdark, there's only two sources. There is um, fungal growth. And then phosphorescence. there's... Phosphorescence. Phosphorescence. And there's arrest And so I was like, well, they hadn't encountered that yet. And it's an important idea in the Underdark. It's, it's really one of those... Um, Uniquely underdark things that if you're going to do an underdark campaign, then and, and you just completely overlook this experience, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess at this point the way that I sort of look at that is some sort of like magical radiation or something.
0: Yeah, that's not that's not too far
1: wrong. Because it sort of like changed the molecular like structure of the walls themselves. We could like crumble parts of them, and
0: well, the reason you could crumble the walls is because of it was the sandstone. You but they had
1: the it. the glistening parts of it too, though.
0: Well, the, uh, what I was trying to describe, and clearly, like, I wasn't doing a very good job, is that, like, the granules of sand themselves were glowing.
1: Yeah. No, no, I get that. But, like, kind of like how, like, something is bombarded with radiation and glows, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, and... and uh I think that at first I was sort of having trouble picturing what this would be like. And the moment I started thinking about, well, I guess it's kind of like radiation. This is really like a scary area. Yeah, (laughs) We need to get out of here.
0: Like magical radiation. Yeah. Yeah,
1: So uh, at that point, we uh, made haste and attempted to to get even further until we had a a very suspicious looking end of this cavern come up. Which um, was uh, a circular... Uh, I think it was described almost as a cistern-like cavern. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what Alex kept saying. Cistern. Yeah. Although, I, I, aren't cisterns, uh, don't, don't they have water in them?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he was saying that mi- mostly just sort of like denote the sort of like cir- 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 circleness or cir- Cerc- circuity. I don't know.
0: Circularity. C- yeah. Circular. The circular cir- quality of cir- the cavern
1: itself. <laughs> 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 um, without actually using the word circular. Uh, and there was a lot of suspicious-looking bones involved there, and uh, even a warning symbol uh, that we could see across the way that uh, that warned us that demons were around, um, that was in drow language for those of us that spoke drow.
0: And there, and there were a couple of characters who kind of strayed from the party for a minute and were kind of like inv- doing some investigations on their own outside the radius of the torch, because for a time they were still using a torch. And um, those two characters were tempting the demonic entities that were in the area. Um,
1: yeah, that was uh, Barakas and Sijin, right? Sijin, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, they were they were definitely, like, straying into that, and I was getting my—you you couldn't see me because it was behind the screen, but I was, like, reaching for my dice. I was, like, reaching for my encounter dice. If, if, if they had, like, chosen—I mean, it's obvious that, like, the kind of messages that I've been sending about— through through storytelling, this is like a horror game with a horror like environment. They're they're definitely picking up on it, and that's heartening, because I can totally see another group of characters being like, "Well, let's investigate these sounds that we're hearing." They were hearing these kind of like whispers in like the darkness, these kind of like 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 uh like coming from an undefinable area, and so they were like, they couldn't understand what they were saying, and yeah yeah it was just murmurs.
1: Yeah no, they certainly got the hint, and they were like. Let's get out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they returned to the group and so I spared them the wrath of the dice because let me tell you that demon encounter would have been a bitch. And uh they go back into this um to this cave area and uh some there's a carrying crawler down there. Let's cut right to the chase. There's a carrying crawler down there. It's hidden, and as they are trying to, I set up the cavern in such a way that they were going to have to go through this bowl-like area, and they and they didn't want to. I could tell they didn't want to, and they could see this had GM trap written all over it. But I mean, I suppose at any moment that the GM stops and just starts describing an area in explicit detail, it's like, well, oh, well, there's something here. Well, it's not obviously. just that. It's also
1: that the warning of demons be here or whatever. Uh, yeah, all right. I mean like and uh, you know it's it's like uh, can we can we skirt this is it possible to not run into the demons cuz I'd like to not run into the demons Yeah yeah Anyway we were unable to skirt it and um we were in the process of lowering characters down to the down to the the floor of the cavern when we were attacked by the Karen crawler at this point the party's kind of split I think uh my myself and the paladin Kale were uh in the middle of lowering Baracus down, mm-hmm. um, and everybody else, including NPCs in our group, were already down there.
0: Yeah, and th- this was this was a little bit of a uh, this was a little bit of like DM engineered problems. I mean, this is this is this is this is how you use the environment to kind of fuck with your players a little bit. Where it's like, oh, you've got to lower yourselves down if you don't want to make a climb check, and oh, if it's thirty feet. You know what that means? Three d six if you fuck up that climb check. So. Uh, um, you got to lower yourselves down, and, oh, that means that you're going to have to kind of split the party for a second, which means you have to sit there and consider how you're going to split the party, and, like, oh, the, the strong guys of the armor and all that shit, they're going to have to be the ones lowering, because you can't have the wizard lowering people down. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, and then it's going to take time. You see what I'm saying? This, is, this takes time. So as a, as a DM, I was able to manufacture this um, time lag in between how, the players were able to join the combat. I think that that made the encounter more interesting. It made the it made it more fun on yeah, my end. That's no, for and, sure. and,
1: and it definitely, it also started off with a cinematic death scene too.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I had this fucking NPC dwarf that I was like sick of, and I was just like, "Fuck it," the carrying crawler jumps out and kills him. I, I, I,
1: you know, unlike unlike uh, Sarath, no one shed any tears over Elder. No, no,
0: <laughs> no one gave a shit like at all. In fact, in fact, okay, so the, so, I had, so so Alex goes like because. I just was like, "Oh, the Karen crawler jumps up and it like it rears its head and it like I didn't even say Karen crawler. Describe what it looks like, anyway. And then it, it attacks the dwarf and kills kills her. And um, and then I go through I start the initiative order, and we, I come to the monster's initiative, and Alex goes, "Well, the monster already went. It killed the NPC." <laughs> I'm like, "Man, <laughs> the NPCs don't fight. You know, I'm that's just there for you know." The, the the color, that's flavor text. You, you know didn't say surprise round, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I could have. I guess I could have, <laughs> rather than like making it all about uh, I mean it definitely like popped out of the sand and was like bah! yeah, you know. Yeah. That was fun. I like that part.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh Yeah, I, I think um <clears throat> and then kale and I sort of had to figure out at this point how can we enter the fight because we're like two of the guys that are made to go down in there and like get into hand to hand with something like this and uh, the rest of the party kind of like some some hoity-toity magic users and ah, uh, magic users yeah so uh you know as uh, as is per my my norm I attempted to sort of like scramble down the cliff face like uh, using my my skills and uh, as, as was turned out to be sort of the disheartening um, modus operandi for my dice rolling. Uh, anything that isn't a combat attack roll, I f- or an initiative roll, I fail miserably at, and anything that is a combat roll or a, a, a initiative roll, I don't roll or in fourteen. Yeah, so. well, that's
0: that's pretty nice way to have it shake it out in a certain yeah, way. I mean, uh, it,
1: I guess I don't know. I. I <laughs> I, as a character, I, I tried to play like a character has sort of a scholarly bent, and I was hoping to sort of like learn things. And you took
0: the scholar background. I
1: did. I took the scholar background in my character. Um, you know, I was I, I have a sort of an arcane bent in my character itself, even though I don't necessarily use magic yet. Yet, don't use magic yet.
0: Well, I mean, you're a third because because okay, we'll get ahead of ourselves. Anyway, so yes. you guys fight the Karen crawler, defeat the Karen crawler. No one gives a shit that that's dead. You completely forget. And then, and then you guys go and you kind of search the area, and uh, Kale comes up with some sweet fucking armor. And then there's some other stuff. You guys yeah, rolled. Su- of course, I'm rolling super hot when I'm rolling treasure for you guys. But when I'm, when I actually have to do attacks and stuff from a monster, then I can't get like above an eight.
1: Maybe I'll trade you some attack rolls, and you can trade me some like. Uh some like some uh, like skill arcana checks. checks and some like uh, intimidation checks or any uh, sure. kind of stuff. I've tried intimidation
0: to do. checks? We I can't look at. Th-
1: well, it wouldn't even matter because anytime I tried it, I rolled really. <laughs> so, <laughs> system or not, it won't matter.
0: So, so you guys after that? Oh, and then you guys investigated the sigil, and that was kind of interesting. So, there's this drow sigil that's carved into the sandstone, and it says it says something like uh, demons are near here or something like that.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to take a look at it and see, like, when it was drawn, kind of, like, get, like, you know, like I said, I have a very, like, I have a very, like, um, uh, arcane bent on my character, and um, I have a, a, as a character who desires to sort of, uh, who believes he can and desires to ascend to um, another plane of existence, um, things like abyssal entities are interesting to him, so I I was investigating the symbol. And um, at some point during my investigations, when I was like maybe tracing it or something, uh, I was told to make a will save, um, which I I, I did. I made my will save. Made the will save. And uh, the other character who was investigating it with me,
0: Yeah, Alex's uh, uh, gnome character, Mannix, comes up, and he wants to investigate it, too. And so he has to make a will save also, which he fails. He does
1: fail. And uh, Alex gets the benefit, or his character gets the benefit of some awesome visions where he sees the rest of us as like uh, undead creatures who have existed for a long time. And uh, he desires, in, in, a, in a sort of like madness haze, desires to know our secrets so he can join us in like our like uh, eternal life or unlife.
0: There, there's, there's a reason why I chose to go this direction with what it was that Manic saw. And he listens to the podcast, so I won't spoil it for him. For our listeners out there, those who are listening to this and taking notes for their own um, out of the Abyss game, uh, I chose to link this sigil to the magic of the demon lord Orcus in order, because I just have this feeling that that's a, that that's a plot thread that my buddy Alex wants to follow. He he's said some things that make me think that that's a demon, that's, that's a threat that he wants to follow.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, it worked out well for him then that he got the the visions that would uh, that would match for him,
0: and he did a great job rolling it. I mean, yeah, he was, there he, was a
1: weird like conversation that was had there where yeah. he was trying to question us, and and uh, without giving anything away on his
0: end. Uh, yeah, he seemed really quite loony, didn't he? It yeah, was it was it was very weird. It was cool because the way he was talking was a lot like how Jazz red talks. Where it was like, he, yeah, where it was like, it definitely was, where it was kind of like, um, he, he has some kind of knowledge that he presumes you have access to, but you guys don't know what he's talking to, talking about. So I think it also gave you guys some insight into that NPC where you were like, fuck, like, like these guys, like, like, it, there's something going on, and these guys are like seeing the world through like tinted glasses. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Uh, that, I, I certainly had that read on it, and, um, it was, it was, it, in in a lot of ways, it was my favorite part of that session. Just that little section there, with like his interaction with us. Yeah, it was. really I good. I really appreciated how uh, Alex did that scene. He did a great, great job. job.
0: No, nobody awarded him any inspiration points. You're totally right. And That's some I, bullshit. We're gonna have to get. We're I'm gonna, gonna to I'm gonna
1: that. retroactively award him an uh, inspiration point because he deserves one for that.
0: I think you should. Yeah. Um. I'll put that
1: in my notes. Yeah. Let's let's do that. Um. So you know. Uh, We sort of recover at this point and um, we continue on our journey, still trying to get out of this area because it's a blighted area. And we're.
0: That was a good call on your part. Yeah.
1: BT dubs. There were some some characters who wanted to rest before we took off, and uh, we sort of had a a discussion about it. Um, And I, I was definitely urging us to continue moving forward.
0: Yeah, and that ended up being the good call because it, they didn't know it, but there's mechanical shit that happens if you rest in that area. Anyway, um, Ben, don't use this player knowledge. <laughs> I won't. Alex, don't use this player knowledge. <laughs> um, And so uh, then you guys are you're going along, and you make it almost to Slubludop, and then you had yeah, a sort I, of peculiar encounter. I, I will encounter.
1: say that, that uh, before we get to Slubludop, there was one other thing that sort of like – I guess stuck out in my mind. What was that? And that was uh, right before we hit the the encounter before Sulu we had that experience with. Uh, it wasn't an experience. It was just the description of the cavern we were in, with like where it was described, sort of like that, the asphalt that had cracked, and oh yeah yeah, that was actually very good. It was very oh, like cool. evocative, and uh, I could sort of picture like these characters sort of like like trundling over this like broken broken environment where nothing was straight and like the the ankle your ankles were just like destroyed by the end of it you know you just wanted to like wished for flat ground somewhere to be around and and uh and then with the gas rising up it was it was very good it was very oh, good. good
0: i'm glad to hear it i'm glad to hear it glad to hear that
1: yeah that 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 cavern definitely stuck out in my mind
0: oh wow good good um yeah, that's always good to hear because it wasn't like there was an important encounter there. Or no, no, just, but it just was cool. I just want uh, Underdark to be flavorful and to be as interesting as being in a um, more mundane, yeah, more we, typical. Yeah, we've talked about that before too, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: and because uh, and that was one of, one of your concerns, I felt like it was, you know, important to say that it was like a sweet cavern because it definitely stuck good. out to me.
0: Good, good. Well, the next the next uh, uh, environment you guys are gonna face is Slubudop, and I'm and I'm hoping you're gonna enjoy what I've done with that. But and before you get there, you first had to encounter these these fucking weirdos that were uh, <laughs> patrolling like a couple miles outside of the town's boundaries. Yeah, um, we had, uh, I guess.
1: Picked up on some noise ahead of us, some some chatter, some some sounds. Some there was a squeak, uh, squeaking that we'd heard. Um, and uh, the two characters in the party who are the most stealthy, which would be my my character, and the thief Siegen, mm-hmm. we uh, decided to do some reconnaissance. And this is sort of the first time we had kind of an opportunity to do something like classic, like like stealthy reconnaissance. And um, yeah, it's
0: true. It's true.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, we sort of like we, we we sort of came at it from a different direction, and and uh, tried to get a, a a point of view that we could like you know vantage point we could see what was happening without revealing ourselves. Um, but like uh, like my character is prone to do, I rolled miserably on my stealth roll, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we were discovered. At least I was discovered um, by a wandering party of. Um, I guess you'd say like a splinter cult that apparently exists inside Dubudap. We found out later. Um,
0: these are all Kruatoa.
1: Yes, yes. Sorry, Kruatoa, who uh, who worship an entity called the Deep Father.
0: Yeah, and I tried to present them as being kind of this like, like I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was laying it on pretty thick. I wanted people to to be very apprehensive about about these guys and their motives. And they're, they're trundling with them this, um, like, little wagon that has, like, a cell on the back of it. And they're all covered in, like, kind of, like, ghastly kind of mementos. And they're wearing these kind of, like, cenobite robes that, like, are uh, obviously, you know, you know K- Kuatoan style, where they're all, like, weathered and beaten and grotesque from their proximity to the water. And they've got some big song and dance about, like, oh, hey, welcome to Slooby-Dop. Hey, you want to, like, you want us to give you a ride in our little carriage, like, back? It would be so great to have you as our guests. And these good dudes just weren't buying it, like, at all. They were like, fuck that.
1: Well, Alex Alex had tried to charm the uh, leader of the group.
0: Oh, yeah. So at some point, there's, like, this whole thing where, like, Alex wants to go outside of the my apartment, and he wants to have, like, a private meeting with the PCs on the balcony to come up with a plan. And... You know, and of course <laughs> I, I let them because sure, why well, I, I don't know what's gonna get discussed out there. I but I don't know I, I honestly didn't know what it was that the group hoped to gain from this. Nothing. Nothing. We gained nothing from it.
1: No. Um but uh but uh at some point Alex decided to charm person the the
0: the uh Kuotoa leader yeah.
1: uh, who's who uh looks more martially bent than any of the other brethren brethren that he has. Uh, definitely seems like he's more of a threat than any of the other people there. And, um, of course, it fails miserably.
0: Well, I don't know if it failed miserably. To be totally honest, I didn't necessarily even say whether or not, like, he had succeeded. Because what it was that he was asking was... He attempts to charm person the guy. And the guy's just trying to get you back to Dop, All right? And then... The way that that Alex goes about it is like, oh, well, we'll go back you he- with you to Slubudop, but we don't want to ride in the cart. And the guy's like, that's fine. You don't got to ride in the cart. So it's like, well, the Charm person doesn't even really matter. Yeah, it's getting p- what he wants. At
1: some point, uh, Baracus decides that he's going to investigate. Like, um, he's he's still hidden at this point. I think I think he's the only one of us that's still hidden. And he decides that he wants to investigate the card a little bit more closely than the rest of us have. And then we start. Noti- he starts noticing these telltale signs of the fact that these guys are maybe not on the up and up, you know? Yeah. Um, their, their, their symbol are some lashed Kuro-Toa heads together, some skulls.
0: Yeah, 2 two Kuro-Toa heads, Yeah, skulls lashed together.
1: Yeah, so uh, not necessarily the most pleasant of people at that point, I think, was, was sort of realized. Um, but we're obviously, at this point... I think that no one was fooled by these guys and we were like the moment that they get a chance they're going to ambush us.
0: Which they did. Yeah. I mean, it's like you got to start walking and and the encounter is written this way. The it's kind of like the scorpion and the frog, you know what I'm saying? It's it's their nature. Despite the fact that they could have just walked you guys back and like kind of could have taken advantage of you within the walls of the city. They're short-minded creatures. The, these guys in particular, they have a very limited world view. and they're like, "Ha ha! They believe us. Fight!" And then they, and then they attack. They waylay uh, the party, and, and 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 subsequently, what happened was like the most embarrassing, the most embarrassing combat of my entire GMing career. I mean, it was just like so pitiful. The the fucking party is outnumbered, almost two to one. I can't roll above an eight to hit unless I'm critting. I will. I, I. The only damage I put on any of the players is from critical successes, <laughs> uh, which I think
1: was myself and C-Gen who ate that. That's
0: it. They can't hit with their nets. They can't hit with their weapons. They're just basically standing there getting mowed through by the party. And at that point, I was really starting to have like a serious kind of like crisis of faith in what's going on with five point or my ability to run it. I'm like. Do I understand how to run this game? Am I? I mean, these are these these encounters are so fucking easy. Like, at no point have I. I mean, well, I, I played a lot of D and D. We played a lot of three five and Pathfinder, and there were definitely these moments where, as the GM, I was like sitting there behind the screen watching and thinking to myself, "Fuck! Like, we're about to TPK here. Like, oh man! Like, we've spent months building up this story." And uh, we're about to party wipe, and then somebody like pulls it out of their ass or whatever. But in this, I never, I never get that feeling of dread like at all. I just, I'm just like sitting there, like kind of shell shocked, while well, you guys just have your way with my, my NPCs. I mean, have you know? I, I mean,
1: know. I think, I think C. Jin was definitely one hit away from, from going unconscious. Sure. I was one hit away from going unconscious by the end of combat.
0: Yeah, and then there were like three other people who hadn't been touched. They, had, I mean, they were still like full hit points. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I will say that that Kale's. Kale's, like, physical combat prowess is monstrous.
0: It's true. I mean, I think that he alone would have been fine against all those Kuatoa. They were garbage. I mean, you guys have fought a lot of, like, under-CR1 monsters, and it's been way more challenging than just... I don't know. Maybe just Kuo-Toa suck. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, certainly they had...
1: It was clear from the way that their weapons were, like, given to them that they had a non-lethal bent in their attacks. No, it's true. They, they wanted to subdue us and take us somewhere. And the only character they were able to even, like, almost subdue with those non-lethal weapons was Sejin.
0: No, it's true. Um,
1: and anyway,
0: long story short. You killed them all. We killed them all. You slaughtered them.
1: Yes. Yes. We, like to a
0: man. Like no, you know, no, 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 no mercy. Just relentless. Yes,
1: correct. And then we had this weird, weird conversation where um, I wanted us to keep moving just to get to Slubidop as soon as possible because at this point we're really close, and it would be a shame if, like, you know, our pursuers caught up to us at this point because mm. we're almost the protection of the city. We're almost yeah. there. Um but uh there there were some people who wanted to hide the evidence of our combat they were worried that you know we had, were on our way to the Kuruatoa city and that we had murdered some Kuruatoa and that uh if this comes back on us then that's going to be a problem um so we had a little discussion about that and decided eventually to sort of like gather the up. bodies yeah decided but to hide the bodies my 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 feeling was that these guys had lashed together a couple of toa heads on top of their, like, vehicle. They had a cage. They were obviously trying to capture us alive. They clearly wanted to, like, I don't know. They wanted us as, as some sort of slaves for some reason. My thought was to feed us to some sort of, like, ridiculous entity that they were trying to appease with, like, a blood sacrifice. Um, I, uh, I, I saw no reason to, like, worry about hiding this because ultimately these guys were you know had murdered already other members of their race they were they were advertising the fact that they had like murdered other members of their race um much like you know i I could picture like some sort of like crazy soldier like with like a necklace of ears advertising like hey you know universal soldier yeah yeah exactly like this is how many (laughs) this is how many humans i've killed you know it's like it's like all right man uh you're just a little out there and crazy you don't yeah. belong in society you know yeah
0: and then and then very sh- in very short order your suspicions were were affirmed because you guys walked forward for like just like i mean like minutes probably not minutes not hours and you encountered another group of Kuotoa. It, it was sort of similar in its in its, uh, in its composition makeup, but yeah. less sinister less sinister but actually if you look at their stat lines considerably more lethal like uh, these were the ones that definitely like you weren't supposed to win against. I think if you had fought them, like okay. they, they they definitely had like a lot more going on in terms of in terms of mechanics. Um, but they had like a, I mean it's another kind of religious group, and there's this guy, and he's and he's but he's like obviously repping a different god. Turns out it's like called the Sea Mother, and he's got he's got this big wind up. He's got one of these like classic game book wind ups, yes. right? Where he's got like a an issue, and that
1: his 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 progeny has like fronted for another god, and has created a whole other system of worship in in uh, Slubudop based on this deep father. And they're basically sort of on the brink of civil war, uh, the way it was sort of made to sound. Yeah. Um, and uh, he wants to enlist the party of adventurers in this sort of heroic uh, venture in which we can like... Um, you know, go and and save the town of Slubudop and uh, and you know, hopefully, like eliminate the cult, or and redeem those people who can be redeemed, if any of them can be. And uh, I, my my character uh, was one of the first ones to accept. I think I was uh, pretty into that uh, because uh, my character is not into redemption and is not into um, saving Slubudop. but. Does want to eradicate all the foolish beings that thought they could serve him as a plat on a platter to some stupid sea monster?
0: I mean, it's not heroic fantasy that we're doing right here, no, but it not. still works. To be totally honest, it kind of works better than some heroic fantasy that we've done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that I, I see, I see a perfect reason for me to want to do this job, um, beyond just like trinkets. I would, I'm if I can gain passage where I want to go and get a chance to eradicate these guys that I don't like, great, I'll take, yeah. I'll take them up on that. Sure, you know? sure.
0: I mean, th- and that is kind of interesting that the fucking uh, the archpriest of the sea mother is kind of like he was like very kind of like non-specific about what your big reward is for helping out with this and his and his pitch is a little kind of unorthodox. I mean, he's not just kind of like, oh well, we know where this monster lives, go kill it. Well, he wants. Uh, the players to do is to um, pretend to be prisoners of his, and that he's going to, he's going to take them to his daughter, who is the archpriestess of this adversary god, and um, he's going to offer them as tribute, and he's going to basically say like, oh, I I fold, like let's all worship the carnivorous deep father together. And at which point the heroes will like spring loose from their bonds and start like killing people. Just yeah. so we'll yeah. see how that
1: goes. Execution patrol is what I like to think of uh, Execu- the next session.
0: <laughs> execution patrol. Yeah, like sweeping clear. <laughs> um, so the the party, the group of the players is like is like pretty stoked for uh, a good old fashioned crawl, for some some killing. Because there hasn't been a lot of that. There hasn't been a lot of the the exploration slash killing.
1: I, I'm actually more stoked for, like, a sweet confrontation with the priests of, like, of the Deep Father, in which I, like, castigate them for their arrogance. And uh, I look forward to maybe having some dialogue like that. That would be pretty fun.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to hear you say that, because, I mean, I was, like, getting ready to draw a very, very detailed map. So maybe maybe a little less detailed. I mean, I think some fun dialogue could be great. So. Sure. Sure. Absolutely.
1: We can still do both. Yeah, I mean, no for both. yeah,
0: you know, uh, Heather has said that she doesn't care much for the combats. And just because as a person, like, combat is not her thing. I think that she's really going to get into vampire someday. She's going to really get a lot more out of vampire. But um, in the meantime, we are playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And, like, I'd say, like, I don't know, 25 to 50% of Dungeons & Dragons is, like, doing this there's some people who do more than i, mean, yeah, I think like, being conservative. It, i think it
1: depends on like the group right i think it's anywhere from like 25 to 95 percent 25 to
0: 95. If you're like playing 40 <laughs> e, if you're like "This is the best edition
1: ever i mean i'm i'm similar i think to your girlfriend heather in that i would prefer it was 25 rather than you know 50 yeah i i yeah. I, I enjoy like the idea of like interacting as this sort of like fantastical character with the environment around me more than I do like the idea of just going out and like slaughtering some things.
0: I mean, that's the thing about D&D, right? Is there's this it's the, this interesting dichotomy because D&D as a game was developed as a war game that has sort of over decades had additional role-playing opportunities kind of like stapled onto it and then amalgamated in and then more stapled on and then amalgamated in. And right now we're doing the very... This is the most role-playing, friendly version of Dungeons & Dragons I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but it's still kind of like a subsystem. Or you could say that the combat is a subsystem. That It's, the, it's this game within a game where it's like, okay, okay, stop, now we're going to play this other game. It's kind of like a tactical war, tactical war game board game, you know? And this is one of the things I was kind of griping about to Ben... Over the week since we played, as I was like, man, I just don't like running combats like they're a tactical war game. You know, I mean, I, I assume that our combats could be much more ferocious and lethal if I was playing it like, oh, we're playing fucking War Machine or something, and like, uh, you know, I got my pieces and you got your pieces. Let's, you know, and we and we've done it like that. There was a lot more of that going on when we were playing 3.0. When we were going 3.0, there was definitely a pressure to run things like that as like hard as you could. But to me right now what I just do is like I, I have the models on the table and like whatever models are closest to other models is like make them fight, you know? It's probably not the most like strategically balanced or hard hitting way to go about it.
1: I don't know. I, I, I uh I certainly can appreciate the things outside of combat and look forward to enjoying more of them. So
0: Yeah, well, we'll see how
1: this next session goes. We also are leveling to yeah, right. At the, because, end, uh, at the end of the session, yeah. we decided to level up.
0: I boned that alternative that alternative system. Because well, we're using this alternative system after at the DMG, where you don't level based on killing shit, you level based on doing shit. So I thought it was just like two sessions get a level, three sessions you get a level. But as it turns out, when you read the fine print on that, they say after your first session, you should gain a level. Then after your second session, you should gain a level, and then it should go two, three, two, three, two, three, two, three. Now they, they don't actually say that; they say like every two to three sessions, but that averages at two point five, which means you just do it like two, three, two, three, two, three. Anyway, you get sure. my point. You get my point. Um. So I had been needlessly withholding levels from these guys. So I went ahead and shipped them off a third level. So we're going to have like real motherfucking D&D characters. Yeah,
1: man. Like I'm excited. I can actually sort of like hit the arcane sort of bent
0: on my character. Uh, Yes, yes. Heather's decided to go with uh, just the thief build because she decides she's new to these games. And she has decided she did not want to fuck around with magic in addition to everything else. That the rogue has to offer, so she's she's foregoing arcane trickster, which is fine by me. Um, and then uh, Barakas is going to be taking like the Pact of the Blade, which will make his character mechanically very similar to his character he played in Council of Thieves. Oh, okay. I have no idea what Alex is doing. Um, and Kale is going
1: to turn into an Avenging Paladin.
0: Yeah, and Kale is going to become an Avenging Paladin.
1: Which we were hoping to have Kale on, on today as an interview, but that's not going to happen.
0: In yeah, start. you know, Dustin punked out on us again. <laughs> number n- Time number two. So we're sitting here, we're just kind of like, it's just me and Ben, two old pals, beers after a fucking salty day at work, and we're just jawing about D&D. It's like the greatest thing in the world. It's like, it's like n- the version of nerd fishing or something. Um... Is it? I mean, I think it's time for us to take a break. Take a little break. Take a little break. We'll come back and talk about some other things besides uh-huh. uh, our recap here. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll be back in a second. Bruise, fresh bruise.
1: Uh, full killer there in front of me. Indeed. Um, yeah, we'd had a plan to have uh, Dustin on, Kale, to uh, yeah. talk about uh, you know some of the things about Dungeons and Dragons, specifically like his bent on the Avenging Paladin, which has been particularly fun.
0: It has been. It's been fun to watch, it's been fun to see, I hope it's been fun to play, and you hear people talking about Avenging Paladin, because it's like it's in terms of what's in five. It's the what It's it's the thing that's probably the most radical departure from what you've seen previously, right? It's 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 like it's like what? So instead, we're just
1: going to fill this time with uh, with sort of what's going on in our like uh, role playing lives outside of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um. I have been, you know, you have of, some
0: exciting news, man.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring again for running maybe a one shot. And who knows if 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 it goes well, you know, maybe at some point in the distant future, it might do more than a shot, Um, maybe a clip or so. A clip, (laughs) yeah. Who knows? Um, But uh, you know, one of the classic games that I always loved and felt like we never did justice to in any way that like I wanted or felt like I, 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 you know, I think that everybody sort of always felt like something was lacking in the games we played was Cyberpunk.
0: Cyberpunk twenty twenty, Artel Story and Games.
1: Yep, yep. I had sort of. I guess at our our local game store we go to and frequent all the time. Um, w- uh, an old role player had sort of been like giving off his collection, and he had sold it to the guy who uh, runs the store, Dave. And Dave was just sort of taking like quick cash payments for like you know like a sort of a it
0: was like, it was like a rummage sale. He was yeah. kind of like make me an offer, kid, kind of like that.
1: Yeah, and the guy had like you know the the core book. Uh, a few of the Chromebooks, I think Chromebooks one, two, and three, mm-hmm. and um, the 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 like
0: a mech, mech battle. It was like the heavy thing? artillery book. The okay. that did they you released. buy it?
1: I did, I did, I bought that. They also had Cybergen. I, I put Cybergen back, and so he's
0: referring to Cyber Generation, which was like the uh, Cyberpunk 2020 off game in which you played a kid, a yeah.
1: child. Yeah, and as a part of the story in Cyberpunk that they advanced. Um, I, I forget offhand cause it's been so many years since I've seen this, but there was some sort of event that happens where like, um, technology and humanity sort of like mutate in the youth and, yeah. um,
0: this was not their finest hour.
1: No, no. And, and, uh, we had, uh, played it before when we were kids and, uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it was weird. I remember pl- we played like one session or something of like kids playing kids and it was kind of, it was kind of strange, right? Yeah,
1: it felt strange. Um, and and I was thinking back, and I was like, "Do I really? Well, I really touched this. Will I really like?" Yeah. And I just decided to give that one up and not be a completist and go out and get it just because it was there in front of me.
0: Oh, no lie, though i I was I was at the game store the same time Ben was. Uh, he was down there playing Conquest with Jeff, and um. I uh, I almost bought it myself yeah um i I did get that night homie oh yeah did get that night go ahead and say it yo i got a copy of hole son (laughs) which like two weeks earlier some shit like we've been talking with adam and we've been like oh my god the hole so hard to find i'm never gonna find that get over that just put that on your wish list forever and then what boom was in my hands
1: Uh, yep right there uh hole brendan ended up with it and yeah uh, well, you think you're thinking about doing a one shot of that at some point? Yeah, at
0: some point, yeah, man. Just for, I mean, here, why not?
1: Yeah, exactly. Why the fuck not? Just to see, like, like how, how we approach a game like that now, as now, opposed to like being like you know, eighteen year old kids
0: when the last time we touched it. Was, were it was, we eighteen? I don't even know if we were that yeah. old. I think we might. I think we I'll might have, have been, been younger. Or sixteen. I don't yeah, know. At the very least, you were you were younger than eighteen. Yeah.
1: Um, so anyway, I was sort of inspired by this and. Uh, I, yeah, I've like the been whole
0: like stack of cyberpunk books.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I love, I I love like the cyberpunk fiction element. I, I grew up reading Gibson. It was a lot of fun, and and I want I, I want like uh, a game that can sort of like evoke a lot of those same feelings that I had when I was reading those books. Um, the idea of sort of like the weird alienation that exists in that environment with like with with man and and uh, the corporatocracy and like um the weird like like uh technology that sort of like uh, created like an existence that's sort of um surreal in a lot of ways
0: um it's it's an existential game generally speaking i mean it's about like um rampant capitalism it's about man and machine and where one begins and one ends you know what what is an authentic human what is an authentic human existence
1: yeah i mean you know it's sort of like i think like on a you know, every so often I'll read one of those stories where they're like, oh, new, new, like, cyberware coming out, like, in the real world. Yeah, you know? those yeah.
0: always bum me the fuck out.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously, the people that, like, lost a limb or whatever and, yeah. like, can, like, have some sort of hope of having, like, an existence with two limbs or whatever it is that they lost back. Sure. Um, for them, it's different, but, but, uh, I. I see those things and I'm always like, ooh, cyberpunk. Dude, like, um,
0: <laughs> cause I mean, it's strange. Like, uh, if you watch Akira, right, the anime, um, there's the, this weird kind of cultishness in the future, right? There's yes. these, like, strange, these, like, ah, like, like yelling cults on the corners and stuff. And I feel like when you, when you get into, like, the transhumanist, like, futurist stuff, which is, I, I, yeah, that's that actually
1: for... works more. I got even more detail too in the comics, which I actually just read in the comics. In the comics, I actually what read
0: comics? The... Is, what comics? Are there comics in the
1: book? Uh, the Akira comics. Oh, oh, the Akira yeah, yeah, comics. I, 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 right, 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 I just read those like within the last year. Oh, did so, you? Yeah, oh, interesting. I did. I did, and and the cults are even more in depth too in like Neo Tokyo, like after like
0: because there's like a bazillion issues in that comic, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and the 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 comic has a lot more that happens after like the the sort of like a. a ex- the first sort of like explosion that happens in Tokyo is like broken. Yeah. And uh, all these like cults that pop up like in this sort of weird uh, futuristic sense that sort of like venerate um, like progress. and
0: Yeah, and, and, and that is the point I'm trying to make is that I feel like Ray Kurzweil and the transhumanist uh, futurists are sort of this like um, pre-cyberpunk proto-cult. And their um, strange dogma of of progress for the sake of progress, and like, and there, and the way that they kind of pose this question of like, well, what is a human anyway? You know, yeah. and like, like, are we gonna? I mean, they are taking the concepts that are in cyberpunk and they are attempting to inject them into ordinary human life, which is like, oh well, I mean, your 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 personality is just a bunch of data. And I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I, to be totally honest, I find the um, transhumanists a bit um, off putting, and as much as I love. Cyberpunk and the works of Gibson, the works of Dick. Um, I find I, I feel like the transhumanists, like it's like they're, the, they're like they're like the kind of guys who like read about Jesus and then turn it into racism. You know what I'm saying? They like they make it they make it weird. They make it weird for us all. I mean, I because aren't, I can see that you know aren't aren't those aren't those aren't those books about humanity at odds with these things? Not fetishistically. Like trying to amalgamate themselves, like 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 turning themselves into robots. You know, I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think that 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 part certainly exists. Um, there's definitely that's one of the plots, right? But
0: maybe I got it wrong. I mean, that's no, 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 no. Possible. That's definitely
1: that's definitely one of the plots. Like uh, the, the the weird resistance that that's sort of like bent on like um uh, like an idea uh, uh on an idea of 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 sort of stopping. The experimentation that's happening on, like, people as they use their like technology and their serums to sort of create like existences that are beyond human, right? Sure. Um, and 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 sort of in the in the classic cynical capacity, in Akira, um, those guys are like used <laughs> they're 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 used at a power grab by like some of the people who are already in
0: power. Well, I think, and this will bring the conversation like a little bit from sci fi back into role playing. But I think that one of the main themes of cyberpunk in general is the, pardon me if I stumble for this word, but the commoditization of everything. And we, we yes. are living in that right now. We're living in this pre-cyberpunk utopia in which every type of human experience has been commoditized. you know, And, and, and anything, like things that cannot that be given... A tangible value are considered to be worthless, which is why in in our society we're having these uh, debates over um, art and over literature, music, music, you know, over. I mean, we t- let's keep in mind that that there are very highly rated television shows, uh, television shows that on some level contribute to the building blocks of our culture in ways that are far beyond anything that a novel or a movie or 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 a piece of music could really do and these television shows are reality television where they where they follow around a quote unquote real person and they commoditize that person's life <laughs> and they and they they, they 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 cut it up into these little bits that are like easily digestible by you and they they create story arcs inside of inside of a human being's life reinforcing the idea that somehow a human life moves in story arcs which is not even like a, i mean that's not even like a thing you know what i'm saying yeah. i mean we've gotten to this point where art imitates life imitates art and like the and and, and the friend slash like constant um, companion of art is capital because the artist does not exist in a void, he requires capital to exist. Anyway, all I'm trying to say is we've all sold our souls huh. already. It's just, it's just We're already living in the fucking cyber future, right? Well, I mean, these were things... I mean,
1: th- this, this game was created in the 80s, right? So this is certainly something that people in the 80s were worried about. Um, you know, uh, I think, like, it's... It's interesting to see that when those books were written in the 80s, about the year 2020, and here it is, almost 2016, right? Jesus.
0: I mean, we're on the eve of 2016. But how time people hear this, they will, it will be 2016.
1: Exactly. Um, here it is. Uh, and um, people, for the most part, don't seem to be worried about it anymore. They sort of accept it as a fact of life, which is, which is interesting in and of itself. Um, anyway, all this goes to talk about the challenges of running a game like cyberpunk which was created in the 80s about a year time in the future which we're almost at yeah and so all of the like yeah, we're there. yeah all the themes are relevant they're they're still perfectly relevant more relevant than ever exactly the tropes the like you know the like the mirror shades the like chromed out like existences those things are not necessarily <laughs> They're a bit eighties. Yeah.
0: They are definitely like they're definitely the eighties manifesting itself in the in the in the twenty teens, which is sort of the regurgitation of the eighties again, sort of the eighties. Yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, I'm so off topic here, but like have you noticed if you, do you follow contemporary fashion at all? Uh, not really. So 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 the nineties are back. People are—you're seeing box tops and cross colors again. But what's so fascinating is that in the 1990s, there was a sort of, like, cultural appropriation of the 1970s, okay? Oh, yeah. Where the the 1990s reinterpreted the 70s and made the 70s cool again. But now we are— appropriating the 90s so we are appropriating the appropriation of, of the, the 70s. 70s it's all it's it's, it's like a uh, uh, a vcr copy of a copy and if you're old enough to know what that means then i know that you're one of my people you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's just it's this very it's this very strange lens that we are looking through at this point and this and, and and i think that that is on some level exactly what cyberpunk is about yeah no it definitely is it definitely is so I think that,
1: like, you know, coming in terms of this, I think that all of the like themes that I'm interested in, you know, in terms of like a, uh, what I think cyberpunk's about, we we can all still grasp very easily. It's it's a matter of bridging sort of like. What the future would look like versus what it is now. You just really I'm... can't
0: show people those books. You just can't let them look at the interior art because they'll be they'll be like snickering. They'll be yeah. like, oh my, oh my god. Yeah,
1: I was snickering when
0: I was looking. Were so, you really? Oh man, oh, definitely. Is it that definitely. bad? Well, it's, the, okay, sh- so it's, the, it's the suits suits with the shoulder pads, right? Oh
1: yeah, shoulder pads everywhere. Do you remember um how they organized the Chromebooks? How how like they I were know. like an yeah. advertisement uh, kind of like Oh wrong. it was like really cool at the time. It was like these are like these are actually like catalog books where you can like pick what you kind of wanted. But this was
0: before web pages.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They so, didn't know. Exactly. Oh Jesus. It's very interesting. Uh, but but looking at like the way they envisioned some of the stuff to look way like you know to service a particular function that we have things that serve those functions now but they look totally different radically different it just seems yeah. kind of laughable.
0: yeah i imagine that is like really yeah i think that there's a possibility that some of the people who were um designing those books were riffing off of of uh, verhoeven's Sort of uh, imagining of future advertisements in the first original RoboCop film. Oh yeah, definitely. I could see that. I could see that. The way that everything is like just so gaudy and in your face and kind of crass and ugly.
1: I see that, and and then and then the way that the way that like they show like. Like uh, some of the cities, et cetera, et cetera. You can definitely see like Blade Runner's influence in that too. Oh, well, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, with the, like the overarching like uh, woman Coke ad that's like Japanese and not. And it's very weird.
0: As I'm sure I've mentioned um, numerous times on this podcast, I lived in Los Angeles for a few years. And the Bradbury building is in downtown Los Angeles. It's where, um, what's his name? The, who's who's the guy who builds the robots? What's his character's name? He's got a weird name. The guy that builds the robots. The guy who builds the robots. And the robots that only live in his house. All right. We're at a loss. Ride in and tell us. <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, be, I we'll, don't know what he's talking about we'll, right now. No, so. the guy who builds the robots. He, Daryl Hanna's hanging out with him. And he's like, he's got all these oh, 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 robots oh, oh, hanging out with him. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's. Oh God, I can picture Daryl, Daryl Hannah talking to him about how like he doesn't help him. No one will. They'll just kind of seducing
0: him and like really yeah. bad. He's standing there with this like sinister look on his face.
1: Really, a very pitiful character in that he's show. A very, in he's
0: very, sympathetic. Let's say he's sympathetic.
1: No, he is sympathetic. He's sympathetic, but also yeah, okay. He's pitiable. I mean, yeah. he's taken yeah.
0: advantage of. He's he is yeah he is. But um, so the Bradbury building was on some of like just a few streets away from where I lived and that's where all of that was shot at the time when ridley scott shot it um it was a it was a derelict building it was falling apart that whole the way that it looks with like all the ceilings all busted out and stuff like um that's that's the condition they found the building in and since then it's been refurbished so you can go in and, like it still has all that amazing fucking architecture there's like the amazing fucking weird metalwork and the cage the cage elevators where he's like, where he's
1: like- where uh, Harrison Ford's coming in. You can see the light coming through from all the holes. Yeah, exactly. So gorgeous. And you can hear that. You can hear like the advertisements going on in the background.
0: Exactly. Uh, but you crazy. can go to that building in downtown LA and that only f- serves to accentuate the feeling that you are living in like the most cyberpunky fucking environment on the planet. I mean, fuck Dubai, fuck Tokyo. Like Los Angeles feels like you're living in the cyber future. You know, um you can go from an area that is that is just racked with poverty on poverty urban warfare to just a few streets later a place where millionaires and billionaires live in just in seclusion in behind behind glass doors that you'll never get past and in the middle of it all there's just like uh gaudy advertisements and uh just like screaming at you like yeah. huge, huge fucking uh uh televisions as, as tall as, as as the side of a building, just just, just screaming at you. Sebastian. Sebastian. There we there go. Took me a second. Go. Took me a second. There we go. That's his that's his first name. We can't, I still can't remember his last name. JS Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you ah oh, you got me. You got me. Good good job. Good job.
1: Um But yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh so, anyway, I've been inspired to go to the used bookstores lately, and like, uh, I've been uh, visiting them with uh, Brendan here. Ben's been trolling with me. I have. I have. been looking for uh, old cyberpunk stuff.
0: Old cyberpunk materials.
1: Which I found an adventure I never knew existed that was a horror adventure for uh, cyberpunk, which uh, seems interesting. I'm, I'm just starting to read it, so maybe at some point in the future I'll, I'll uh, talk more about it, but I don't have a lot to say other than... I never knew that there was a, a horror adventure that they, a module they wrote for Cyberpunk.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, That's definitely. cool as shit. Uh, let's see, what are some of my like latest conquests at the, uh, the old used bookstore? I just picked up two books last night, um, and both of them are noteworthy, I think. Let's talk about them real quick, and then we'll call it night. Um, the first one is Destiny's Price for Mage the uh, Ascension. Um, that was a Black Dog book for Mage, and uh, at that point they were like trying to have a Black Dog book for like each setting, and so for um Mage they released this book. It had this really kind of cool purple foil cover. Um, and the idea was it had material in it for like street level games, and what made it a adults only book for Black Dog. Was that it had all these statistics in it for things like sawed off shotguns and drugs, and uh, it had like weird like story seeds for like strip clubs and like human trafficking and stuff. Okay. Which I mean, it was the nineties, and uh, it was a much more genteel time. It's different. It's it's I maybe mean, genteel is the wrong word. It was it was it was it was definitely it was it was pre If you are young, you are listening to this. I doubt you know what that means. I don't want to sound like some old fogey here, but it was a different time. Even in, even in people attempting to rebel and attempting to push the boundaries of society, there was still this weird level of innocence where I remember there was a time that all the Black Dog books you'd walk into a comic book shop and they'd keep all the Black Dog books behind the counter. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they were polybagged too and behind well, the counter. Some of them were polybagged. Most of them weren't, but they were like, oh, you gotta be... They, they, they try and check your ID to buy the fucking book. They'd be like, oh, I need to see some ID to buy this book. <laughs> and you're like... I mean, it's the kind of... St- I mean, this is when Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar album came out and it was like a big fucking deal. Like, like parents groups were like... were protesting his tour and stuff like that and like I mean it was like a pretty rebellious thing to like kind of like to like have a Marilyn Manson t-shirt, you know what I'm saying and and uh, I mean, when you look back on all this shit, the Black Dog imprint, the um the Antichrist superstar album itself, <laughs> <laughs> these things are very comic booky and they're and, and I'm not gonna say that they're tame. But they certainly weren't so salacious and like eyebrow raising that I think that they needed to be. I mean, th- there's nothing pornographic. About no, uh,
1: it. in fact, I think those those things don't raise any eyes now.
0: No, uh, stuff that in the 1990s would have been like rated R is now like on television. You know. <laughs> True. Yeah. So True. so I mean, back back to the book. I feel I, I picked up. Destiny's Price because I held it in my hands and I thought is I, I didn't have my copy of my hunt list on me and I thought is this on my hunt list and I was like well it doesn't fucking matter because if it isn't it should be. As a, as a storyteller I feel like a copy of Destiny's Price is necessary for any World of Darkness game. Why do you feel that? If you're gonna run Vampire if you're gonna run fucking Mage if you're gonna run fucking Werewolf you should and you should have some statistics on a fucking sawed-off shotgun. You should have statistics on like how heroin works in the game. You know, I always I every I mean they've done a lot of work on the systems, so I don't even know if it's worthwhile as a system anymore. And, and definitely that was a consideration. when I almost didn't buy it because I was like, Jesus, if I if I get like mage twenty and I'm gonna run it or something, I'm gonna fucking even use this book. At this point. You can probably look at it as a book of hooks, but back in the day, I just used it for so much of a World of Darkness game is about playing criminals in a certain mm. sense, and this is and this is and this was this book was so much about being a criminal, and they never outside of that book they never really created a book that was that that acknowledged that your that your character existed to essentially like by nature of his existence belonged to a criminal fraternity. Yeah. You know, I thought that, that was I thought that that was an odd move on their part that they took this book that I consider to be so vital about, you know what happens when you're in a bar brawl and stuff like that, like I mean, the whole the whole concept of the world of darkness seemed like it was about kind of seedy underworld type stuff. And yet they took that material and they kind of hid it away in this black dog book. That was for a, that was for a very specific line, and that a vampire player might just completely overlook. Yet a vam- a vampire you're gonna there's how many vampire games have you played where the vampire is like oh yeah my haven is a bar, and my ghouls are all gun-toting leather-clad thugs, and I'm running a blood cult in uh that that masquerades as a as a fetish club. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this—that's th- the—that's the line that needed this. Really, it really should have been like a World of Darkness book, but I don't know who the line developer was for those "quote unquote" just World of Darkness books—the gypsies, mafia, blood-dimmed tides, all that crap. I don't know who the line developer. Well, was. Well, this one
1: sounds more useful than the other one.
0: Oh, someone—you—you you had it, you had it. I mean, they were just—to me, it was one of those absolutely mandatory World of Darkness books. I could see that. The other book I picked up was another nostalgia piece, and it was uh, "Dirty Secrets of the Black Hand," and yeah, uh, we were sort of like talking about that, and I seem to remember that like uh, there's a
1: lot of like uh, mystique around that book and sort of like an urban legend and how it was developed by like a writer who wanted to sort of like
0: a disgruntled a, writer, a
1: disgruntled writer who was like given his final hacha to like uh, yeah, it's like and, White Wolf and, Publishing or whatever. I,
0: I I also have heard this story. And I just don't know how much um, to invest in it. It's an interesting story. It certainly adds the mystique. It adds the mystique, and it does explain how w- weird that book is by comparison to so many other books in that line.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, it definitely does. And and it was, you know, to sort of add to that, It was, wasn't that the book that sort of brokered all the weird sort of like... Um, like, sort of hidden secrets sort of brought them to light, kind of like. Uh, was that the one that, that uh, sort of like spoiled uh, Vicissitude?
0: And well, I don't know about spoiled the vicissitude. It, just didn't like it definitely radically altered your perception of that yeah. discipline. Well,
1: spoiled in the sense the secret of what Vicissitude actually was.
0: Yeah, if you choose to believe that. I mean, yeah, they're, true. They're, so, in the book it states that Vicissitude is not actually a discipline as much as it is a disease that was contracted by vampires who were exploring the Umbra. And it creates a bloodline of Zimisi called the Old Clan who eschew Vicissitude because they see it as like an abomination. And... I mean that storyline right there created so much fodder like for that was just great role playing yes just really great role playing regardless of regardless of like whether it was canon or not you can almost just take that idea and like put it to the side as to whether or not they quote unquote is a disease and you just take that idea of well the, well there's two different sets of outlook on it within the vampire world and that just gives you so much to fucking do you sure know? sure. And that's what really why I love that book because a lot of people fucking hate it. They're like, because it's so gonzo, it's so weird. Up until that point, I feel like the the Vampire the Masquerade line was very consistent within a certain like set of parameters. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And then and then this book is just so far outside of that range. And it's just... It's it's practically like a GURPS book or a RIFTS book or something. It's just so weird. It's so full of all this super weird crossovery shit. And um, because of that, like, a lot of people fucking hate it. They just, like, fucking yeah, I, hate this.
1: Thing. I actually remember a lot of the outcry when that book came out back, back when. You know, I, I seem to remember uh, people being really divided on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But to this day, I, 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 I cleave to it because, to me... There are just some things in it that are so bonkers that they're just so fun. They're just so fun, and the um Kane's chosen book for the revised edition. I just okay. didn't think was nearly as good, despite the fact. I mean, it was it was so bland by comparison. I mean, they you can tell that there was a kind of this urge to sort of like iron out the Black Hand and make it more like quote unquote real or something. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about the Dirty Secrets book is that it just it just ratchets up the fantasy level to like eleven. You know, there's like these weird, there's these weird little chud babies that are like <laughs> <laughs> like crawling around and they're like and they like attack you and shit. I mean, there's like all kinds of strange shit in there. Like like making a character for the Black Hand requires like a an additional source book that allows you to play an elder because you're supposed to be so just unbelievably powerful, and it really. Muddied the water. It created this strange fracture in the storyline between, like, what was the Black Hand? It was the true Black Hand because they, they were like, "Oh, ha, ha, There's two different ones. There's a Black Hand, and then there's the true Black Hand, and there's Vicious Dude, and there's not Vicious Dude users, and then yeah. there's these other strange bloodlines. One of them travels in time, and like, it just caused so many problems. <laughs> but the 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 fact remains, like, like say that this was the um the brainchild of a intensely sort of like bitter individual who, who didn't, who didn't want to continue his employment with white wolf or yeah. white wolf didn't want to him to continue. Let's say that Let's say this is a given. Like why would they publish it? Like why, why, why wouldn't they just like chuck it in the fire? Like, okay, thanks. Here's the book. Here's the manuscript. Great. Goodbye. And then just throw it in the, in the garbage.
1: Well, I, I yeah. Um, I imagine there's an explanation there that could that could sort of revolve around, like, time frames and lack of time to sort of, like, figure out all the implications of everything. When is Why Wolf ever
0: given a shit about time?
1: Well, no, that's true. That's definitely true. The other the other, uh, idea is that even if it was sort of published by this guy in this sort of, like, Hacham move and they were, like, you know, just decided that it added enough to the game that it was worthwhile.
0: Even I, mean, still. I I like that interpretation. That there were some people out there who were kind of kindred spirits who were like, "Oh well, this is—I this, mean, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in here that's bullshit, but there's also some amazing stuff in it too." Yeah. I mean, I will—I will say that, like, over the years, subsequent to the printing of that book, they did go with—I mean, they—they—they they, they, they riffed on a bunch of the stuff that's in it. Certainly, the institute ends up being
1: sort of this sort of monstrous thing that's a disease almost, and
0: yeah. Sort of.
1: Sort of. It's different. It's different. It is. It's different than what it's spoiled in there, but it still ends up being sort of a similar type idea.
0: Yeah. And there's some other stuff that they like like a lot of the sort of Anakian stuff they kinda they kinda let that be in there. And to this very day. You I mean, in the new VDA twenty court book, it has like fucking Nagaraha and like Tri Bruja and all this other shit. Those all those fucking bloodlines are still in there. So they still support the basic ideas that were kinda like laid out in that book. But at no point did they ever just regurgitate any of that information and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's totally the way it was." There, yeah. There's so many. There's so many like lines in that book that you could just like point at, and it's like that's the only time you'll ever hear that shit ever in a vampire game.
1: Yeah, and uh, on that note, we also a couple of us have um, uh, VDA twenty books on the way that we oh, yeah. are uh, looking forward to having soon. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is they were printed and sent. And they should, one of them should be in my hands soon, uh, which I'm looking forward to uh, reading it, uh, you know, quite uh, heavily.
0: A bunch of the, the Full metal RPG uh, crew, um, and I think that we've established a pretty good base crew here. Like, knowledgeable fucks, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, real deal soldiers, you know what I'm saying? Um,. We're all getting VDA 20 and we're all reading it and we're going to compare some notes and maybe we'll share those, those notes with you on how we feel. I, I, I have it. I have the, I'm looking at my hard copy right now. It's a really, it's a beautiful book. And There's really a
1: thought that there will be a game out of there soon at some point, not soon necessarily, <sighs> but
0: in the future. Man, I, okay. So here, let's talk about this. I was having this conversation with Dustin when she was here and, um, I was like, "Hey, man, so you stoked for like a vampire or something?" Because, okay, okay, listeners, this is how we've always run our games, all right? Um, like, a lot of this happened because of the way school worked, okay? Like, we'd be going to community college or whatever, and we'd all be busy—not like we were like really busy. I mean, I was busy reading a lot of White Wolf books, you know what I'm saying? But like, we were we we, we were ostensibly busy. And at that point in our lives we always had parents kinda of looking over our shoulders being like, What are you doing? You do okay to school? And we always had to kinda of appease these people. And so during the school year, there was sort of a dearth of role playing, right? We wouldn't do a whole lot of it. And then in the summer, or whenever there were breaks, we just role play like motherfuckers, right? And so what kinda of happened and what I kinda of got used to was this kind of cadence of like well, you play a game for a few months, you put it aside, play something else, do something else. And then, like, a couple months later, you pick it back up again, you know? And so whenever – I'm the kind of guy – I run long long chronicles, long campaigns. We were talking about this in, like, episode one or two or something, and, like, we were talking about, like, how long I want to run – uh, out of the abyss for yeah i mean you could sit down if you were like a as a as a dm if you want to sit down and just like be one of those guys who like reads the little paragraph where it says like what the dialogue is and you just like, read it you know what i'm saying you could probably run out of the abyss and like um i don't know depending on how long you were playing and like how many sessions you had a month you could run a couple months you can run the whole fucking book in a couple months first to 15th a couple months if you want to but i wanted to take two three years you know what i'm saying we only play twice a month like to build the stories like to do side quests all this other shit so the question is, is like I was kind of pitching to our buddy Dustin. I was like, hey, hey, so I want to run Vampire. You're gonna play, and he and he kind of he kind of looked a little miffed at me, and he's like, look, dude, we never finish anything, and this is kind of true. I, my my games are kind of prone to meltdowns. We have these like party meltdowns. We put the game aside because we're all, we're all kind of blowing off steam a little bit, and then like we we come back to it later. Or we just don't come back to it because Brendan gets some fucking new flavor of the week game that he wants to play, <laughs> and then we never come back to it. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, he goes, I'd really like to get to 20th level. I'd really like to get to 20th level. And I'm like, well, shit, man. That means I just kind of, like, signed myself up to playing D&D for, like, the next two years, you know? Um which means no vampire. And I'm like, and there's this part of me that kind of wants to like just go down to the fucking Tempe fake lake and like just hang myself from the rafters. Because I really want to play vampire like so bad, you know. But I, I feel like I can't really necessarily put this game on hiatus. Do you see what I'm saying?
1: Well, certainly you can't after, you know, I mean, we're we're just getting started, right? But like six months down the line, seven months down the line, this is a conversation that can be revisited and we can like look at trying something else for a little while.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't really want to feel like I have to just run it like straight through. I mean, I'm so stoked to play vampire. I haven't played vampire in so long, and I, and I was having this other conversation with John uh, at work. We we work with this other guy. He was, his name is John. He doesn't role play, but he likes to talk about it with us. He likes to, he, he's interested in the life. And yeah, he's
1: sort of tangentially interested in like. Um like comics and like yeah. cosplay and like all these, these things are sort of like
0: tangentially
1: involved in our lives. There's
0: this like geek culture thing that's become kinda like the 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 movement of the hour over the last few years. He's like he's heavily involved in these things and now that D and D is kinda making a splash again, he's he's much he's kinda interested in this stuff too. So, um he and I are talking about it and I just I just realized that you know what, man, I'm like pushing fucking forty. Do you realize that? Like I turned thirty seven here in like a, a few weeks. And that means I'm on the downhill side to forty. Which is which is on some level for being completely candid here. Like older than I ever I, I always knew that I was aging. You know, when you're very young, you know that you're aging. You know you're getting older. And you understand that from a rational point of view, but you don't actually understand that. Because all you've ever experienced is like the the way that horizons just open up before you endlessly. And like, oh, there's always tomorrow, there's always another day, there's always another fresh start. But the fact of the matter is, is at this point I'm approaching middle age and I'm getting to that point where the amount of distance behind me is about equal to the amount of distance in front of me. Which means that I don't, statistically speaking, I don't have just all the time in the fucking world to run all the fucking games I want to run. I mean, when I was younger and I was in high school, I just always thought, oh yeah, there'll always be time. There'll always be time. I want to run Mage, I want to run Rate. I want to run bad, yeah, I want to run an al game It's really fucking good. I want to get as at 20.
1: Ah, the al game. The al game.
0: But we live in these finite moments now and the older you get, the more you realize that. And I just realized like, holy shit, I've got this bucket list of fucking games I want to run. I'm not even close to running them all. Like, do I have, like, I, I got to start parsing out the years here. You know what I'm saying? You can't just say to yourself like, oh, well I'm just going to ride off the next two, three years and just give it to D D, you know? No, I, and like I said,
1: I think talking about a break at like, you know, Three sessions, four sessions, five sessions in. You know, oh, that that's yeah. different it's different discussion a little, little, than talking early. about a break like, you know, seven months down the line.
0: Or maybe even sooner. I yeah. I mean months. we'll see. We'll yeah. see where. We're at. I mean, I did kind of like say, Oh, hey, we're all the D five, so everybody needs to go out and get a core book, and everybody did. So everybody put their fifty bucks on the table and kinda pushed it forward. So we're all in at this point. I mean, I owe you guys fifty dollars worth of fun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't look at it that way, but that's cool. That's how I see it. That's how I need You, I, you guys got to get your 50 bucks out of this before we start talking about something else. But that having been said, we're all reading these books, the VDA 20 books. We're all kind of going to compare notes on them. Maybe we'll compare notes for you guys. it would be nice to hear you. I'd like to get Jeff and Sink back in here and hear what the fuck those guys have to say about that book. Because, I mean, me, you, Jeff, Sink, shit. We've all played so much of that fucking... Yeah, absolutely. VDA, and, and maybe that's something we'll do in the future when I'd we all to. have the books. I'd lo- yeah, right. I also <laughs> also um. Holiday season shipping being what it is, who knows oh, when we'll actually have them. Dude, but, uh, I know, I know. It's like it's like but, the uh, the drive through RPG is intensely constipated right now. I ordered a uh, Mummy the Curse book like like fucking weeks ago. It still hasn't shipped.
1: I, I will say that there's one more purchase I made recently, which I'm looking forward to, and I have a uh, I've just scanned sort of preliminary like the preliminary parts of it. And that is the expansion to Frostgrave. Frostgrave! Which we are all looking forward to playing soon.
0: Oh my god, we are at Frostgrave High over here. We're going to take
1: some uh, pictures, maybe some video of that when we finally do get it up and... uh and, uh, you know, share our experiences with you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so we definitely want to hear from you uh, Frostgrave fanatics out there. Definitely, for sure. Because that game seems really awesome. Super dope. Can't wait to get started. Can't wait. All right. With that, man, I think that we're just about done. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I think that was good. And uh,
0: hope you all enjoyed it. Indeed, indeed. It's always a pleasure. You guys take care. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this installment of Full Metal RPG. Our intro music is Abyssal Plains" by Legion. Our break music is Worm by Blode. All songs used with permission. Follow Full Metal RPG on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're a fan of World of Darkness games, look for our spinoff podcast the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour coming soon. Thank you again for listening. Good night.